This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Right now we're in a, I believe, a spiritual epidemic. We're in a moment where, man, so much is happening. If we look back just the last five months, we know that there's been a lot of things that have taken place, but much more than that are some spiritual issues, some spiritual things that God wants to speak into our heart and to our life today. And today, I really believe that God's going to walk with us and and, uh, show us in a deeper way His Word. I was meditating on a passage. I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, but before I jump there, let me read to you a passage I believe is what God wants to do through the word today and it's found in John chapter 16 and verse 33. In John 16 verse 33 Jesus says I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Can I just hear that word peace today? God wants us to have peace and we're in a spiritual epidemic where there is so much fear and so much turmoil and so much that's happening that we're losing our peace in the Lord. And Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so that you will have peace because in this world, you will, not maybe it might happen, you will have trouble. That word trouble also means you'll have trials, you'll have turmoil, you'll have things that are taking place, things that are causing anxiety and frustration and maybe even anger. You'll have those things, but take Take heart, for I have overcome, say overcome, I have overcome the world. Can I hear an amen today? Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, and that peace that I give you is that which will help you overcome the trials, the fears, the frustration, the anger, the angst, the, the what is happening moments in our life. Jesus says, I'm going to give it to you. You see, there are seasons of comfort in our life. There are seasons of challenge in our life. There are seasons where we're overwhelmed and, and things are happening. But God wants you to know that he's going to give you a peace. He's going to see you through it. He's going to walk with you. That his love is at work. His purpose is at work. Come on, somebody. Just hit, say amen right where you're at. Like the page. Say amen that God is going to be with you. He's always been with his people. He's never left them. He's never abandoned them. And though we may have these doubts, these thoughts, struggles, we may be saying, God, what are you doing? And why is this happening? And what are you going to do through this? Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe there's some things that are happening right now. And you're just saying, God, what is happening? He says, I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there. Don't lose heart. And as I just share that word with you today, I just want to encourage you because I really believe that in these times of anxiety and tension in these times. It's so easy to get self-absorbed. It's so easy to, uh, in these times of anxiety, just to begin to be overwhelmed and, and just begin to feel like, man, we're not going to make it through this. And yet God says, I am with you. I was meditating in my devotions and, and in my times of prayer in this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. 
Now we know that this is uh, what God says in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the passage of scripture where he's saying that love is the most important thing. That if we love, love is this. And he begins to walk through what all love is. And then he comes to the very last verse. Look with me uh, in your Bibles and in your outline. Uh, maybe uh, on the screen here if you don't have a Bible or a device. And he comes to the very end. And in verse 13, Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 13. 13, 13, and now, now he's talking about all the things that love is. Love is this, love is that, love is this. And then he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Say it with me, faith, hope, and love. Say it louder, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. The greatest is love. And the word there, the original, is agape love. It's a sacrificial love. I've been talking a lot about that recently, this sacrificial love, this agape love that's there. And so today, I want to look at, because I believe that these are the essentials of the faith, that it's the core of what we've got to believe. It's the most important things. He says that this is the essential. First Corinthians, and, and, uh, and, and, and just a little background for you. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. They have sent him a letter. He helped to, to start this church and now he's moved on. And they wrote him a letter because there was a lot of problems in Corinth, in the church of, of Corinth. And so he's beginning to address these problems. The biggest problem in Corinth in the church at this time was that there was a lack of unity. There was division. There was disunity in the church. They were divided. They were split. They were arguing, they were grumbling, uh, they were uh, forming cliques within the church, and, and, he, and he begins to address some problems. One of the big things that was happening that through 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to deal with is a self-centeredness, that, that they were focusing on their desires, their want, what they wanted, what they thought was right, and Paul begins to address it because there was spiritual error in the church. There was this moral... Uh, uh, there there was this moral, uh, just lackadaisical attitude, and, and, and they, they were losing the, the moral purity of who God is and what God desires, and they were putting their hope in other things. And so Paul begins to deal with these issues, and as he's dealing with it, now he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, and, he's, and he begins to talk about, this is what love is, and he begins to walk through it. I encourage you this week, walk through it. In fact, every time you read the word love, put your name there and say, Tom is this, Sandra is this, you know, I am that. And he begins to walk through it and he says, but the greatest of these, and he brings it down to three things. And today I want to just take a few moments with you. And I believe that these are the essentials of the faith. Don't click away because I really believe that God wants to use this. He says, there's faith, there's hope, say it with me, and there's love. Let's break those down. The first is that there is a faith. I'm calling it an overcoming faith. Say it with me, overcoming faith. An overcoming faith is a faith that pushes you through, that you're walking in the peace that we read about in John 16, that you're walking in that peace, that you have this overcoming faith that's going to see you through the, the, the crisis, the anxiety, the frustration, the loss of job, the loss of income, whatever the problem may be that there is something in you 
an overcoming faith that pushes you and brings you to the other side. Can I just hear an amen for a moment? What is it? Is it's called God's sustaining grace. We sung about it today in that song and maybe we'll even conclude our service today that there is a strength. There is a sustaining grace. There is something that's lifting you and pushing you and seeing you through when everything in you is looking for an answer, is looking for hope, is looking for reasons why there is something in you that pulls you through. I was in study last night yesterday afternoon and as I was just pondering this the Lord just really spoke to me that there are many today at the sound of my voice that you need God's sustaining grace that what we're walking through right now you need his overcoming faith the sustaining grace of God that will see you through what is this overcoming faith well this overcoming faith is something that first of all is available to everyone everyone can receive the sustaining grace of God all you got to do is say God give me that grace give me that strength give me that overcoming attitude that's tenacious that says I'm going to push through and I'm going to overcome. It's what separates those who do great things for God. It's what separates those that were once on their path, but then those that drift away. With those that drifted away, they didn't have that overcoming faith that overcame trial and adversity and trouble. How many can just give me away and just say, amen, pastor, I know what you're talking about. There were times I wanted to give up. There were times when the enemy said, what are you doing? What are are you walking through? Why, why are you even continuing to give, to serve, to pursue? Why are you getting up early and having your devotion? Because there was something in you and it's an overcoming faith. It's the sustaining grace of God that will see you through. I'm telling you, overcoming faith, it's what God values most in his people. An overcoming faith. Overcoming faith is what God is going to reward. It's the overcoming faith. Your well done, good and faithful servant is because of an overcoming faith. It wasn't because you walked through a trouble-free life. Jesus says, no, no. In the world, you will, you will have adversity. When you go over to the book of Revelation, it says in the end times, it will increase. Wickedness will increase. Trials will increase. Tribulation will come upon the church. You see, we've had an idea that the church is going to be raptured out out of the problems. But you see, I'm telling you, it doesn't mean we're not going to experience any problems because there is something about testing your faith that helps you overcome. It's the one thing, an overcoming faith, that Jesus is going to evaluate and to reward. He's wanting to develop it in you. He's wanting you to grow it. It is an overcoming faith. Can I hear an amen in the house? In fact, right where you're at, just lift your hand and say, God, give me that overcoming faith. Give me sustaining grace, God. I need it right now, right where you make it a prayer in the middle of this sermon. Say, God, give me. Say it, give me, God. Someone type it in there. Give me, God, an overcoming faith. 
man, I don't think I have this verse in your scripture. Yeah, I do. First Corinthians chapter one and verse eight on the outline. It says, Paul says, he will, God will. This is what overcoming faith is. He will keep you, say it with me, what? Strong to the end. He will keep you strong. What does that mean? He'll keep you steadfast, firm, secure. You're firmly planted. You're not falling. He will keep you. I love it. Standing strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus appearing. This morning as I was pondering this overcoming faith, this steadfast uh, faith that, that we're talking about here, it's where you are overcome. Have you ever gone out into the ocean and you're out in the waves and all of a sudden a wave just overcomes you and you're just overcome by the water of the ocean as it overcomes you. God says that's the kind of faith that I'm going to reward is a faith that is overcome. It's an overcoming faith where God overcomes you with his grace. But see, the enemy has a plan, and his plan is to try to detour you and to isolate you and to keep you from experiencing that grace. You see, what I know today is the enemy's been messing with you. That's why I called it a spiritual epidemic right now, a spiritual pandemic right now, is that the enemy is trying to steal your faith. He's bringing doubts. He's bringing all kinds of anxiety and stress and worry and frustration into your life but God says I'm going you see faith isn't just I have faith to get something some people have a have a wrong faith and it is I'm going to get something from God if I grow my faith I'm going to get no 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 God is giving you faith to see you through it's something supernaturally that he places within you that helps you to push through no matter what you're going to face he says, that's what I'm going to give you. This overcoming faith that's going to see you through. See, what I know that I know that I know that I know is that God wants you to finish the race. What I know that I know is that God wants to strengthen you through your journey. Yes, you're going to have trouble. I, I keep saying it because you got to get it. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be problems. There's going to be pandemics. There's going to be stress. There's going to be all kinds of things. But God says, man, rest in me and I'll give you strength and grace that'll help you to overcome. It's an overcoming faith. Learned a long time ago, faith is like a muscle. You, you have to develop it. You work it. You exercise. You step into it. You learn, to, you learn to grow your faith. But the enemy is doing everything he can to intimidate and to isolate, to get you to the place where you're questioning. What's intimidation? Well, intimidation is this, intimidation is this, this idea where you are frightened or, or someone is, is overall of a fear and doubt in order to make them do something that another wants them to do. Well, that's what the enemy's doing is he's intimidating right now. He's trying to intimidate the church and isolate the church. It's a process of isolation where you're being isolated. We've been using the word quarantined. Well, the enemy is trying to quarantine your faith. The enemy's trying to isolate your faith. He's trying to isolate you. Man, one of the things I'm worried about the most in this pandemic right now is that your faith is being isolated. 
Because if it's isolated, the enemy will intimidate. And if the enemy intimidates, he will begin to steal the joy. And he'll begin to come at you. And you'll begin to doubt. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be self-controlled and alert. Self-control, by the way, is a great quality. It's a character quality of the spirit in your life. We need a lot more self-control, especially on social media these days. Can I just uh, say, uh-huh, well, you know, we just, we need a little bit of self-control. Everything you think, you don't have to type. And everything you think, you don't have to say. I'm, I'm just saying, right? If you don't have something good to say, maybe you shouldn't say it at all. I mean, that's what we taught our kids when they were little. And here he says, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy is looking to devour. So what's the key? I want to go on to point number two. What's the key to developing this overcoming faith? I just want you to know the key to overcoming faith is learning to abide. Say that word with me, abide in Christ. What do you mean by abide? Now, don't miss me. I know that I'm going from teaching the preaching to exhorting. I don't want you to lose me. Don't click away just yet. Hear me. The key to developing this overcoming faith is learning to abide in Christ. Look how Jesus says it in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I loved you. Now, remain in my love. You see, it's that word remain. That's the word abide. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. My love is a sacrificial love. My life, my love is a, is a love of commitment. My love is a consistent love. It's a love that, that, that you don't have to earn to get. It's my love that I have for you. Remain in it. Stay in it. Remain. Abide in my love. If you obey my commands, oh, there's a condition. When we obey the commands, we abide in his love. We remain in his love. You see, this is a reality is when you're learning to walk in the ways of God, you're learning to abide in the very presence of who God is. So if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and I remain in his love. So when we abide, what happens is we begin to catch the values of God. When I learn to abide, I begin to understand the principles of God, the beliefs of God. I begin to understand what's important to God. I, when I continue, I remain, I abide, all of a sudden I'm developing why is this the, the key to an overcoming faith? It's the key because when you learn to abide and remain, you're developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Boy, the fruit of the Spirit is one of the greatest things. Fruit is your character. Fruit is developed. Fruit is matured. If you pick a fruit too soon or fruit can get rotten, fruit is that which when we develop it and when we grow it, when we learn to remain, say it with me again, remain, abide in the love of God, we develop that. When I abide in Christ, Christ prunes me. And sometimes my attitude needs a little pruning. <laughs> and I don't think I'm the only one. When I remain, when I abide, what is God doing in those moments is he's pruning me. He's developing me. He's diving into the deep issues of my heart. When I learn to remain, abide in him, it honors God. 
The more I abide in God, the more my identity in who he is is developed and it's secure. Those that wrestle with identity issues, I can tell you one of the challenges is you got to get back to abiding in him. Not just knowing about him, but remaining in his love and abiding in him. When you abide, when you remain, man, you, your, your priorities get back into alignment. The world has so many agendas. People have so many agendas. But if you will abide in him, you will develop the agendas of God. But what happens when you don't abide? When you don't abide, you don't hear. When you don't abide, you get led by the enemy into temptation and you find yourself giving in the temptation. When you don't abide, you become self-sufficient. You begin to look at how can you do it in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own logic, in your own know-how, in your own experiences. See, when we don't abide, when we don't abide, we get the wrong perspective. We get the wrong focus. We get weary. We get tired. Issues get bigger and bigger and bigger. And God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's the result of not abiding. So here's the assignment that I have for everybody today. Here's your assignment in your life group, in your small group, in your ministry group, with those that you're watching right now, with those that you came to the service with today. On the way home today, today sometime in your small group, sometime during the day, ask others, what do you do? Make it personal. What do you do to abide in Christ? Let it be something that grows your faith. So, he says, these are the three, these are the essentials of the faith. The first is this overcoming faith. The second, uh, this overcoming faith. The second, he says, is faith, hope. This hope is an unshakable hope. Now, man, I, I was very passionate, I know, about point number one. Point number two, though, I think it's just as good. Point number two is this unshakable hope. I mean, it's believing in what you yet don't see. It's seeing in the spirit what is not yet in the natural. Come on, somebody. Here, just get with me right now. It's visualizing in the future and beginning to say, this is where I'm going. There's a hope that I'm going to get there. I'm not there yet. Life is not there yet. Things aren't there yet. But man, I see something. It's in the future. It's coming. I'm moving there. And I believe you're seeing it before it becomes a reality. You see something and you begin to move towards that before it really begins to happen. I mean, when Jesus, uh, after the crucifixion, he, 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 he found his disciples and they were hiding. They were hiding in fear. And Jesus come into the room where they were. And when he gathered them and he saw them, he says, peace be with you. See, what Jesus wants is that you and I have this hope and it's an unshakable hope that it cannot be shaken from my life. I like the way Paul says it in another scripture. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says it like this. Paul says that we have this hope and it's like what? An anchor to what? To my soul. Your unshakable hope is an anchor to your soul. What's the soul? It's the mind, my thoughts. It's where the enemy is doing a, uh, his battle in my mind. It's the battlefield of the mind. You have this hope that's there. There is this, there's, there's, there is this, this hope that's an anchor to the soul in my mind, in my emotions, 
and even in my actions, my will and what, what I'm going to do. But when the devil comes, he begins to tempt and he, he begins to bring circumstances into our life and frustration and all of these things that begin to happen. Problems are bombarding us like waves that are crashing and crashing and crashing. All of a sudden, hope gets lost. And when we lose our hope, all of a sudden, this unshakable hope begins to be something that, that gets lost and we begin to lose the vision of what God has for us. Now remember, vision is a preferred future of what we see in the spirit that is not yet now in the natural. It's not just my vision, but it's, it's the vision of what God wants to do, the, the vision of the glory of God to expand the kingdom of God. And, and it becomes such a passion within you. It's consuming within you. The prophet said it's like a fire that's shut up in your bones. There is a passion that drives you. So this is my challenge for you. My challenge for you is to ask God, how would God want you and what would he want you? Let me rephrase it. What would he want to do in and through you right now? What is he desiring? What is, what is he pushing you for? What is he pushing you towards? What is he wanting you to do to expand the kingdom of God? You see, in a pandemic, and I believe it's a spiritual epidemic right now, in a time of isolation right now, I believe what's happening is we're being isolated and we're moving further and further and further away from the visions of what God would have us to do to expand the kingdom of God. And I think we've got to stop and we've got to say, God, give me this unshakable hope that it is not going to be shaken loose, that there is a hope in me. And this hope is a hope in what you're doing. It's a hope that you're still in control. It's a hope that one day you're still coming back. You're going to redeem us, that you're restoring. And what we see right now, this is not the preferred vision and future of what we believe God wants. But God, you're moving us to that day. I want to speak to your heart for a moment because there are some, I believe today, watching and listening at the sound of my voice today. You have lost hope. You've been walking through some hopelessness. You've been walking through some times of difficulty. For some, you're hearing me right now, it's because of a job loss. Maybe it's because of an illness. Maybe it's because of some failure. Maybe something has happened to you and you did everything you could to not let it happen and it still happened. It was out of your control. Talking to someone this week, they were sharing with me some of the problems that, that are happening in their life right now, and usually they're very in control, and these problems are completely out of their control. And they were like, I just don't know what to do. Well, can I give you the key to uh, the key to developing this unshakable hope in your life? The key is to keep your eyes, say it with me, keep your eyes on eternity. Don't keep looking at the here and the now, but I want you to look at eternity. I want you to look at, at what's happening in, in, in this world, but say, this is not heaven. This is not the end of the story. This is not what God has planned or purposed. This is not the end. The key to persistence and unshakable hope is to keep my eye on the fact that one day I'm going to be with him. One day we're going to worship with him. All nations, all people group. We're going to come together and we're going to glorify him. If you keep your eyes on the Lord, if you keep your eyes on eternity, but if you don't, 
If you keep your eyes on what you see, it will destroy your hope. If you just look at all the problems that are around, all the, the injustice that, 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 that's happened, prejudice and, 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 and in the pandemic and the loss of job and, and income, everything that's happening just in the last six months, when you look at that, I mean, it destroys hope. Can I tell you, hope in Jesus is a hope that says, I'm going to persist. I'm going to persist when I don't feel like it. Just say amen right there. Someone type it in that note chat box right now. It's persisting when I don't feel like it. You see, when you persist, when you don't feel like it, you're keeping your eyes on eternity. It just keeps building your hope. When you're doubting God's promises, when you're doubting, it destroys hope. If the enemy can get into our thoughts, in our mind, the battlefield of the mind, if he can begin to get into our mind, it'll begin to create this sense of doubt and it'll destroy your hope. But let me tell you, hope is in the promises of God. Get into God's word and look at those promises and claim those promises. And for some of you, if you're walking through a time of hopelessness right now, write some of the promises of God on note cards, on stick it, little sticky notes and put it in different places that build Build your hope up because the promises of God will begin to help you to see that God is in control and that nothing will overcome you. The third and final thought, and I want to take a moment here and in our last moment, don't click away for me because this last point, I really want to help us to understand it from Paul's writings in the book of Ephesians. We've got, we've got this overcoming faith We've got this unshakable hope. But thirdly, we've got enduring love. Say it with me, enduring love. Now, enduring love, what is that, Pastor? Well, enduring love is a long-lasting love. It's a love that doesn't run out. It's long-lasting in fact, here in 1 Corinthians 13, remember our context, he's talking about what love is. And boy, a long-lasting love, a, a long fuse of love takes a lot of work. I mean, just think about marriages, 30, 40, 50, 55 years. Pastor Max and Ophelia was celebrating 55 years of marriage this last week. That is a enduring love. Can I hear an amen there? It's a long-lasting love. And here, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in uh, Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul is talking about this kind of enduring love. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he says this. I really want you to look here. So click over there or write it down and, and study it later if you don't have it, uh, a Bible before you. In Ephesians, I'm going to look at two or three passages in Ephesians because Paul really talks about this enduring love and it's really not just our love to God. It's a love for one another and it's an enduring love. 1 Corinthians 13 is listing everything that love is. And then at the end, he says there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. And it's this enduring love. And Paul in 2 Corinthians, same writer, Corinthians, and now in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles 
Jews and Gentiles, which was a, 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 a very, we've been looking at it over the last several weeks, Jews and Gentiles, there was a lot of racism there. There was a lot of prejudice that was there. There was a lot of hatred that was there. But he says, he, Christ, has united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. One of the major themes for Paul in Scripture, one of those major themes is that Paul is saying, especially here in Ephesians, that God is unifying different types of people. He is bringing us together regardless of our ethnicity or our nationality or, or our culture or our upbringing. He's bringing us all together. And he says in the cross, in that which he did on the cross, he broke down these walls of hostility. Now, what hostility? The hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. He's saying in the cross, that was removed. And now he says, it's all one in Christ. He goes on over in chapter three to continue this thought. Follow with me here for a moment. In chapter three, verse 10, it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Oh, this is so good. I, I don't want you to miss it. I'm sorry I got to it so late in the message. Don't, don't miss this. Look here. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. Now, in this word variety, the word variety in the original was the same word that was used to, to display, if it would be, a bouquet of beautiful colored flowers. The, create, the creativity and the beauty that's there in all of those colors. And Paul is using this as a metaphor to describe what the church is. And he says it's multiple cultures coming together, different races, various skin colors and tones, and different languages and economic situations. And he says God is using the church. Not just a building, but a people, the body of Christ in its rich variety to display his wisdom. Look here. He says he's using it to display his, his wisdom and his ritual to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now that is really interesting. You see, if I was writing it, I probably would have said, God is using his rich variety or diversity like a bouquet of flowers. He's using it. It's his wisdom of what he's brought together. Chapter 2, Paul says he broke down the walls of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, racial and, and all that would come that would build up walls. He's broken it down in the cross. I would have wrote to display it to the world. But no, no, no. Paul says God did it to display his wisdom to who? To the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. You see, he's displaying his wisdom in this unity to the enemy. Don't miss this today. 
You see, a unified church, a church of all cultures and all colors, a church that comes together of all people groups, restores God's creation to its original form. And God says in his word through Paul, it is displaying God's wisdom. You see, the enemy's tactic The enemy's tactic that's being used right now. And boy, it started in the world and it's come into the church now. Started in the world and it's come into the church. And that is to divide and conquer and destroy. If the enemy can get us divided, if he can conquer us, if he can overwhelm us, the enemy and his hordes of demons are at work to divide humanity, to segregate us and separate us and to make us suspicious of one another and fearful of one another and to have the root of fear be at the very core of who we are and that fear leads to prejudice against others. Because we're afraid, we're intimidated, and we get isolated. And the more we get isolated because of fear, we get separated, the enemy begins to win. And boy, I see it happening in the church, and and it distraughts me right now to say, God, you are displaying your wisdom in the viral, the viral, I can't say it, the variety and the diversity of multiple cultures and colors and ethnicities coming together. And it's the beauty, and you're displaying it to an evil world, to the gods of the heaven, to the to to the world that's looking around, and you're showing that in unity there is a greater anointing. I want to read a I want to read a quote to you from a book this week. The book I was reading this week from Michael uh, Pocock and Joseph, I don't know quite how to say his last name, Henricks. In the book it's called Cultural Change, Cultural Change and Your Church. And he says this, when we take time to be with people, a relationship is developed. Both parties drop their masks. They respect each other's convictions and they understand each other's sufferings. As we listen to our friends' real beliefs and problems, we divest our minds of the false images that we have harbored and we are determined to also be real with them. You see, what Paul is saying here is that this enduring love, this enduring love, yes, is a love for God, but this enduring love that he's referring to and he's coming at in 1 Corinthians 13 is an enduring love for one another. Enduring love, bear with one another. Endure, it's a long-lasting love. You see, the enemy wants to divide, conquer, destroy. He wants to break the unity of the church. And that's why Paul over and over again will plead with the church. He'll plead with you and I. He'll plead with us to bear with, to to walk together, to honor one another, to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to build up, not tear down, to inspire and not divide. That's what he calls us to do. So one more chapter over in chapter 4, we started in Ephesians 2, we looked in chapter 3, and now over in chapter 4, he says this, there is one body, there is one spirit, 
Therefore, be diligent is what he's saying to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So we're one body now, one language in God, one culture in the Lord, one voice of the spirit that speak into each and every one of us. And therefore, we preserve and we persevere to to hold on to the unity that God has given to us in the faith. But when we allow disunity and division and and intimidation and isolation to come, it separates and it divides the church. And when that happens, we begin to to lose perspective. When we allow it to happen, our, our emotions begin to rise up and criticism and pride and jealousy and comparison and all of that begins to come. And that's why Paul is going to say in Ephesians chapter four, later uh, in that, in that book, he, he says in chapter four, verse two, make every effort say it with me make every effort every effort to keep yourselves unified in the spirit and then he uses this word binding ourselves together with peace it's a binding it's like it's like being bound together making every effort so here paul says the essentials of the faith is faith hope and love it is a overcoming faith it is a unshakable an unshakable hope and it is a enduring love if this ministry is making an impact in your life why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.